seeing how people my age back home were being the leaders within this revolution that was going on in Myanmar there were kids like 15 to 17 to 18 years old out on the streets leading protests and being front in line despite the military literally shooting at them throwing bombs throwing tear gas at them and seeing how people my age were so willing to basically give up their life to do what was right and to say what was right seeing that really struck something in me you're listening to seeking refuge a podcast sharing the human stories of refugees our guest for today is shin teal she sat down with us to discuss her background her hopes for the future and her powerful story as a youth activist your host for today is me anusha ghosh and Maeve Smith. Shintil, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we're really glad to have you on our podcast. Yes, I'm really excited to be here. And yeah, thank you for having me. Yes, of course. So my first question for you is, what would you like to share about your personal story and background? Well, uh, my family and I are from Myanmar. I was born in Chin State of Myanmar. And we left the country fleeing ethnic and religious persecution to Malaysia. I was born in Myanmar, so about when I was, I believe I was, I had just turned two. And the first person from my family to move to Malaysia was my father right after I was born. So I didn't have like much contact with my father until like my mother had taken all of me and my siblings to Malaysia. And we stayed in Malaysia for, I believe, about almost a year before having the opportunity to come to America as refugees. And I honestly don't have a lot of memories living in Myanmar because, well, I was like a toddler. But I do have like quite like vivid memories of Malaysia, not like consistent, a chronological order of how I would memorize normally, but there's some really vivid memories that are just, I guess, that really reflect the refugee experience of trauma and those things because, you know, we were living in Malaysia as illegal immigrants. So we often had to move around places, especially because as illegal immigrants, my family weren't really safe to stay in the country. So the police, or I guess they would call them like the immigration police, they would always be looking for Burmese refugees in the country to like deport back to Myanmar. And every, not every night, but almost every other week, my family would move from location to location to make sure that we would be able to stay in the country while we waited for our, to, to hear back from our case. And yeah, there was one night I remembered we, usually before we like move, locations we will hear from neighbors saying like oh the police are in our area you guys need to leave by tonight but one night we didn't we didn't hear anything and I remember my uncle was waiting outside because after work you know they come home late at night for work and my uncle he was outside and the police had caught him outside and I remember waiting while my parents were tra- quickly trying to pack everything so that we can go. And I saw my uncle outside being beat by the police. And I guess that's kind of like a something that I 
a memory from my experience living in Malaysia. And yeah, after facing all those types of oppression in Myanmar from like the government and my family was able to come to America as refugees. And we were first placed in America through the, I believe, Catholic Charities here in Kansas. And we moved here in Kansas with, we were the only children, me and my family, like there were no other, there was no Burmese or Chin community of refugees here in America yet. And so coming to a whole different country and growing up here in a whole different country where like nobody spoke my language, nobody shared my culture as a refugee and not having people understand that kind of background. I guess that was really not something difficult, but like more so something I had to get used to and just kind of had to like live with and deal with while growing up. And so later on, 10, five years maybe, more and more refugees from Myanmar and from other countries have moved here to Kansas City. And I remember when I was a kid, the first place that we were put into, it was a it was a house that we rented out. But like because my family had come during the recession during 2008, so we couldn't afford to stay living in that rented home so we ended up moving to a government housing community and during my time living there that was like a majority of my childhood was spent growing up in that community and I guess being surrounded by other families that were immigrants and refugees from other parts of the world even though like they necessarily didn't share like the exact same cultures that I was from having that shared experience of being of like different cultures and different backgrounds really helped shape me to be who I am today, of being able to accept so many different cultures and being empathetic towards people of all backgrounds. And I'm really grateful, like, despite like the, of course, like the economic situation I was placed in, I think I like having that background in that environment to be able to grow up in was definitely beneficial to where I am to be who I am now and yeah I guess that mainly summarizes my background and the kind of environment that I grew up in. Thank you so much for sharing that with us that was a really powerful story and I really appreciate you taking the time to tell us about the background that you come from. My second question for you is, what are your personal interests and extracurriculars? I guess one of my biggest interests is definitely art. I love being able to creatively express myself. And there's various forms of arts that I am very invested in. Like, I love being able to express myself through, like, painting and drawing and physically being able to make stuff but I'm also very a musical person so I play the viola and violin and I also started learning the guitar I'm not that great yet but hopefully I'll get to a a spot where, where I feel comfortable you know sharing that kind of music to other people but yeah I really love 
just being able to creatively express myself. Oh, also fashion. Like, I love being able to, like, share who I am through, like, the clothes that I wear because, like, that's, you know, what people see at first glance. So, yeah, just being able to creatively express myself, I would say, is my greatest interest. That's amazing. I was wondering, Shushiku Henry, I had the opportunity to interview him. He's also another delegate from the Refugee Congress. Have you been able to meet with him and learn more about his nonprofit, A Wide World for Refugee? No, unfortunately, I have not. I can definitely send you more information about his nonprofit later, but he would like to jumpstart an international poetry and art competition for refugees and displaced persons around the world. If you are interested, he seemed very passionate about art, and he believed that was the best way to uplift the voices of those who may not have had the opportunity to express themselves. So I can send you his information. He is also part of the Refugee Congress. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much um, for that. Last year, I remember during the summer, it was partially due to like myself being really busy with like my part-time job and internship as well. But I really wanted to, you know, start like a program for refugees as well, you know, that was art-based and art-related. So having that connection and having this opportunity is really great. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. My next question is about your education. You're a high school student. What do you study in high school and what do you hope to do in the future? So right now I'm attending Sumner Academy of Arts and Science and this is a local magnet school here in the Kansas City metro area and what makes this school different from like I guess the other schools in our area is that like they offer the international baccalaureate program and so currently I am a part of that program through their career related program so in this program I have been um, studying the career field that I hope to go into in the future, and that is architecture. So throughout my two years in this program, I have been like really learning more about that career. And this year especially, I've been working towards my senior reflection project. And I'm making this project, well, this project has to be based on an ethical dilemma within our chosen career field. And the ethical dilemma that I've chosen to really study and research about is the ethics of building on indigenous land and what ethical responsibilities architects have within this issue. And so I really had the opportunity to reach out to local architecture firms and architects and interview with them and have them like fill out surveys to like really hear and listen to what they have to say and what like they think about the situation and the current ethical dilemma that is um, become popular in recent years. And I'm also a part of many different clubs and organizations at school. So currently, I am the president of our Asian Student Union, and I'm involved in our school orchestra, tennis, and some other national honor society, Spanish honor society. So yeah. And as for my next step, which is obviously university, because I am a senior this year. So I was recently admitted to the Washington University in St. Louis. So I'll be attending there in the fall studying architecture. So yeah, that's what I've been up to and what I plan to do. Wow, 
You're truly a very dedicated student. I have friends who participated in the IB program, and I am in awe of the workload they had to go through as a high school student. So that's really impressive. And congrats on nearing the finish line. And your senior reflection. That's a really incredible and pertinent topic. I wish you the best of luck when transitioning to college. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me or Maeve. Yeah, I guess I don't have many questions at the moment, but maybe when I'm actually like in the university setting, I might have some questions that I can hopefully reach out to you guys. So my next question for you, I've had the opportunity to view your profile on the Refugee Congress page and LinkedIn. You're clearly very involved across the community. So I was wondering, a lot of our listeners can be refugees or displaced persons themselves. Could you expand on what refugee-centered organizations you're involved in? As you mentioned before, I am the current delegate for Kansas in the Refugee Congress organization. And I started this position in March of 2022. And when I first applied, I didn't realize how big of a role, I guess, it was. And I was really nervous because, you know, there was like so many, not necessarily requirements, but like, I just, I was really overwhelmed. And luckily, like many of the people that were a part of the organization that I talked to, and I talked to them about like my, you know, my, because I was still in school, like I was the only high school student at the time that was a delegate within the organization. So I talked to them about like balancing school and also being a part of the organization. And they really let me know that like, hey, you know, school should always be your number one priority and you shouldn't feel so overwhelmed with everything. Like we understand, you know, the how much stuff that you have going on so never feel you need to bite off more than what you could chew and after hearing that from them it really encouraged me to be a part of the organization and being supported by so many successful individuals within the organization really was helpful and motivational towards my own journey within advocacy and through this organization I've had so many opportunities to become a better leader and to become a better advocate. I believe my first activity within the organization was speaking to my state senators. Like, well, it wasn't necessarily like the actual senators. We were only able to speak to their advisors. But that was still like a big deal for me because I was a junior in high school and I was speaking to government officials about things that were important to me. So like having that boost really made me feel more comfortable and more confident about what I was doing within the organization. And then in the summer, I also had the opportunity to be a panelist for their collaboration with Starbucks for the campaign um, of Welcoming Refugee Day. And that was also a really big step within my advocacy journey, you know, speaking to, I believe it was over 100 individuals through Zoom. And having opportunities like that really have shown me what I'm capable of. And just having this organization giving me opportunities like that allows me to show other people who are my age of what they're also capable of as well. 
So yeah, that's my what I've been doing in Refugee Congress. The other organization that I'm a part of is Youths of Tomorrow Myanmar. And that organization is not necessarily a refugee-based organization. However, we do serve the Burmese diaspora community. So within that organization, I am the social media and external affairs officer. So I manage the social media accounts by posting content and giving ideas of what things we should post and what kind of organizations we should connect with and what kind of events we should hold. And that was my very first organization that I worked with in regards to advocacy work. And it was through them because it is a student-led organization. So all of the people within the organization are like students just like me. And so seeing, you know, those individuals really work hard towards creating events that are like leadership workshops and English speaking workshops and holding so many events that are really benefiting towards our community has been is what like really inspired me to continue working in advocacy and continuing to speak for others and representing my community. Thank you so much for sharing those two experiences. It's clear that you've had an impact on people across the nation and the world. I was wondering, we are a campus of around 40,000 students, and a question I like to ask many of our interviewees is how can we support your initiatives? For example, when I interviewed Shushuku Henry, he needed more volunteers to help with marketing, graphic design, management of his nonprofit. I also recently talked to Isaac James, who was another delegate for the Refugee Congress, and he needed after-school snacks for students he taught in his after-school program. So do you have any sources of need in either of those organizations that we as a campus can help you with? Yeah, so right now in Youths of Tomorrow Myanmar, we've currently opened up some positions, volunteer positions within our organization, and that includes like graphic designers, content writers, and translators. So yeah, if anyone is willing to be a part of this organization, I, I'll send the links to you and with all the information and stuff so they can check that out. Thank you so much. It's clear that you're making a huge impact, and we are grateful to be able to help you in your initiative and push you up. Another question I have is, often media channels can only cover a small portion of refugee issues. I was wondering if you have any issues you would like to highlight that are faced by your community or other communities that people should be made aware of. Yeah, so, well, when the event first happened of course this is in regards to like the Burmese community the refugee community that I am a part of so in February of 2021 I believe is when the military coup first happened in Myanmar and so Myanmar lost their democracy and they lost all their democratic elected leaders within the country and you know, when that first happened, there was a lot of like media attention towards the topic because there were so many international protestings that were happening from the Burmese community. And 
I feel like over the years, the media attention towards, you know, everything that has been going on in Myanmar has really died down when like the reality of everything has been getting more and more worse. So currently right now, you know, there's especially the ethnic groups that have been for centuries been marginalized and been persecuted and have like faced all these discriminations from the especially the military right now they're in civil war with the military again so for example my hometown my where I was born the military is you know fighting our people and the people are fighting for like their democracy and I think despite you know everything that's going on and like how the violence and how much more worse it's gotten media attention towards that has decreased and I really want to bring that back into light because it really just sets perspective on how you know media is always shifting and media is always changing when in reality you know sometimes things are getting worse so yeah that's has been something that I feel like deserves more attention. Thank you so much for sharing that, Chantil. As listeners, we really appreciate it when we can learn something new. And obviously, there are a lot of issues that go uncovered. So thank you. So that was all the questions I had for you. As I mentioned over text with you, our season is The Whole Story. We wish to give our interviewees the freedom to customize their interview so you can ensure your voice gets fully heard by our listeners. Do you have any other topics that you would like to add to this episode? I think not necessarily. Well, I guess it is a topic that I would want to add. And I the topic is like, how can youth be more involved in advocacy and how can youth be leaders within their communities and I guess I kind of want to just touch a little bit on that and what my experience has been and like what has motivated me into being an advocate in my community. So my journey in advocacy really started in February of 2021 after seeing everything that was going on in my home country and especially what really motivated me towards advocacy and towards being I guess trying to be a leader in my community was seeing how people my age back home were being the leaders within this revolution that was going on in Myanmar there were kids like 15 to 17 to 18 years old out on the streets leading protests and being front in line despite the military literally shooting at them, throwing bombs, throwing tear gas at them, and seeing how people my age were so willing to basically give up their life to do what was right and to say what was right, seeing that really struck something in me. And it made me think like, I'm in this position to be able to speak up for what I know is right and to be able to let the world know what is going on about everything that's they no longer have the opportunity to say because the uh, military has, you know, shut off their internet. The military has, is physically making them unable to be able to speak for themselves and seeing like what privilege I have, like the privilege to be able to make people listen was really 
motivating towards me joining all these organizations that I'm currently a part of. So it made me rethink and made me think like, what can I do? Like, what am I able to do right now? Of course, I can't physically be in the position where those kids who are like giving up their lives protesting on the street, but like, what can I do? And after really assessing what I was able to do, I found Youth of Tomorrow Myanmar. And I got connected with them. And this was currently when they were like protesting out on the streets. So I would be in real time reading their messages of them texting each other like, hey, we're going to meet up here in this street today and we're going to protest here. Let your friends know I'm from across the whole ocean. I'm like reading their messages and I'm giving them words of encouragement and I'm like getting updated on everything that was happening over in Myanmar and I was just really inspired seeing how they despite everything that was going on I'm reading their messages talking about how they had to run away last minute because the police started shooting bullets at them and I'm like just reading like the messages was hor- horrifying and thinking that like they had to actually experience that just was like even more you know horrifying to me so after that experience, it has been, it's just been like a buildup of, oh, I need to do something. Like I should, I should be doing something. And after getting connected with Yusuf Tamara Myanmar, that was like my first big step towards being an advocate. And then I had the opportunity from my mom. She's a part of the women's organization within my church. And my mom was thinking of creating a fundraiser to send back to Myanmar to help, you know, people who have been victims of the military violence, because, you know, there's no longer any health care since the whole, the whole society of Myanmar basically shut down after the coup. So there's no more health care providers, there's no more teachers, there's like none, none of that anymore. So we were fundraising to sent back to Myanmar. And within this fundraiser, my mom was like, hey, I think it'd be a really good idea if you, because she knows I like art. So she was like, what if you designed some stuff that we can put onto t-shirts and hats and stuff and we can sell them and you can help market it and stuff so that we can get people to buy this because this was like during the pandemic. So not a lot of in-person events were going on. And so I made a couple designs for my mom. My mom helped me get like that physical um, t-shirts and stuff so that I could market them on social media and I like created this whole little social media campaign and all my friends reposted it and I was having like orders from like across the country and I was shipping them out to different states and yeah after that whole experience it helped me gain attraction I guess and the Asian Student Union at my school they saw that and they, you know, I will, I talked about like what I did with them and people within our Asian student union were like, oh, Chintiol, you know, has done something similar because our Asian student union wanted to start a fundraiser and make a campaign about everything that was going on in Myanmar. And so they had me be the leader for that campaign. And that whole campaign was in collaboration with a organization in America that I believe was called NUG for America. Yeah, but uh, it was an organization that was 
creating a petition to send to the government and the uh, White House to bring the attention about what was going on in Myanmar. And so we worked with that organization to create this campaign at school. And we fundraised at school, but the campaign we created was a video. So within that video, we talked about everything that was going on in Myanmar. We also had like interviews of our community leaders, Burmese community leaders, and also teenagers from other states as well be a part of the video. And we had that video and we posted it online so that it could reach a greater audience, not just within our community at school, but also the city and hopefully like even the whole world. And after that whole school campaign, somebody recommended Refugee Congress to me after they saw my work within that campaign. And yeah, since then, I've been involved in advocacy and everyone has been so supportive. And I guess this throughout this whole process, the one thing that I've really learned and taken away is that like, you're never too young to say what you think is right and to do what you think is right and to be the voice for people who aren't able to have a voice or aren't able to speak up. And I think that any young person shouldn't feel intimidated by like how big the problem is or how you feel like you don't have a voice in sometimes where you think it's a space only for adults or only for people who have authority. But yeah, I feel like I've been really given so many opportunities and so many chances to be able to represent and be the voice. So yeah, I want to encourage all youth to try and do what you think is right and don't feel like it's too much or too big. That's amazing. I I do have a question for you. Are you still selling products? I'm no longer selling anything right now, but me and my sister have been talking about, you know, bringing back the fundraiser products. I'll let you guys know and update you guys if it does ever come back. That sounds wonderful. And the video that you mentioned, if you were comfortable, could you send me the link to it so that I may put it in the bio of this episode so that our listeners may also watch it? Yeah, I'll definitely send you the link to that as well. Thank you so much for joining us. I can't describe to you how amazing your answers have been and how wonderful you have been. You are a very dedicated individual, and I'm very excited for our listeners to hear this episode and how excited I am to share your nonprofit with the USC and Seeking Refuge community. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for giving me this opportunity. I think you've both done so well in helping me prepare and like making me feel better about just speaking on here. And I'm also really excited for the listeners as well. And I want to thank you guys so much once again and for also helping me to share all the organizations that I'm a part of and also to share my story. So thank you. That was Shin Teal talking about her background, her personal and academic pursuits, and advocacy as a youth. If you want to learn more about and connect with Shin's organization, Youths of Tomorrow Myanmar, navigate to the link in the bio. If you want to view her video project, navigate to the link in the bio.
She will post her video shortly. If you like this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review us in the comments below. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email us at seekingrefugepodcast at gmail.com or at our University of South Carolina email address sosrpa at mailbox.sc.edu. You can find us on social media at Refuge Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This show is produced by undergraduate students at the University of South Carolina. Your host for this week was me, Anusha Ghosh, and Maeve Smith. This episode was edited by me, Anusha, and was reviewed by Yethan Narella. Our executive producers are Claire Matz and Victoria Halsey. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.